shots. Mm, he can flat out shoot it. Step back, 17-footer. It's good. Big shot by Nick King. The Blue Show is going crazy. How about this play by Kermit Davis? Underneath, great pass by Dixon for Campbell. Five seconds to play. Here's Potts. Got it! Giddy Potts. Brandon Walters will slam it home. The Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee, a 15 seed, has won it. Marks magic again for Middle Tennessee. The 12 seed takes out. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Blue Raider Hoops podcast, the only podcast that exclusively covers the MTSU men's basketball team. As always, I am Oliver Baltz, your host, producer, live tweeter, this, that, and the third. Hopefully your favorite person that covers Blue Raider basketball. Thanks to everybody for listening once again. I got an awesome show. Been about a month since the last podcast. Eight games have come and gone. Blue Raiders went 7-1 and one in that stretch. I'll go over those eight games and kind of put more emphasis on the three big ones in Marshall, Western Kentucky, and Old Dominion. After that, I got a great interview with one of MTSU's assistant coaches, Ronnie Hamilton. I was really fortunate to have him on. He was he was awesome. He gave a lot of great answers and a lot of cool information. So make sure you don't miss that. Last, I'll go over the final five games of the regular season. Don't really have much to talk about there. All five games are rematches. MTSU has played every single team in Conference USA up to this point. So, you know, not much of a preview, but I will go ahead and talk a little bit about them just for y'all. First game since the last podcast was against Marshall in Huntington, West Virginia. The Blue Raiders suffered their worst loss of the season, 73-63. On the bright side, a 10-point loss being the worst of the season is pretty good. That's A lot of teams would kill to be in that position. But anyway, uh, it was a pretty head-scratching loss considering how MTSU really struggled to score in this one. And the, the reason being, the Thundering Herd are your typical all-offense, no-defense type of team. The head coach, Dan D'Antoni, is the older brother of Mike D'Antoni. And if you follow the NBA, you know Mike D'Antoni is a is a very offensive-minded coach and definitely puts a secondary effort on defense. So, you know, Dan D'Antoni is very similar. Marshall is the first in Conference USA in points per game, last in points allowed per game. Um, they allow 80 points a game, but the Blue Raiders only ended up scoring 63. They shot 40% from the field. And, you know, you could speculate a big part of it was Nick King. He looked a little limited from ankle injury. That could have been bothering him. Uh, He had gotten it the previous game. He ended up shooting only 6 for 19, scored 14 points, which was the fourth lowest total of the season for him. But, I mean, you know, even if it wasn't an ankle injury, Nick King has been a stud all season. And any basketball player is capable of down games, so... Uh, also give a lot of credit to Marshall. They looked more defensively motivated than I anticipated. Their center, Adin Pinova, is a stud. He leads the entire country in blocks per game, had six that night along with 17 points. So it was a really good win for Marshall. I don't want to take anything away from them, but 
it was a really curious moment of the season for the Blue Raiders. They had beaten a lot of solid opponents up to that point. Murray State, Florida Gulf Coast twice, uh, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Princeton. But you look at the three super tough opponents they played in Auburn, USC, and Miami. They weren't able to beat any of them. And, you know, none of them were embarrassing losses. Uh, They all were in single digits. But after they lose to Marshall, you start to wonder, you know, is this team on the same level as last season's? Are they capable of the same special things last season or the season before that accomplished? And head coach Kermit Davis even kind of called them out at the end of the game and said, we're not a dominant team like we were last year. We're not going to blow teams out. We're going to have to fight and hang tough every single game. And, you know, I don't know if he was being 100% truthful. He might have just been trying to give a motivator to the team. If so, it definitely worked. MTSU played one of their best games of the season against Western Kentucky two days after the Marshall loss. Um, They won 66-62. Western Kentucky was rolling up into that point. They were looking like the favorites to win Conference USA. A lot of bracketologists had them winning Conference USA after MTSU lost to Marshall, but... You know, it was probably the most hostile environment of the season. Uh, it was a sellout crowd in Diddle Arena. If Nick King was bothered by that ankle against Marshall, he sure seemed to be okay against Western Kentucky. The senior just continued his season of heroics. He had 28 points, made big shot after big shot. Despite being closely guarded for much of the night, there was one shot where he kind of bobbled the ball almost lost it the shot clock's ticking down three two one and he chucked up a three and it went straight in that really embodied the entire night for him he, he just had a hell of a game also give mtsu's defense a lot of credit going into this game western kentucky was the second best offense in the conference after marshall hilltoppers only scored one field goal in the final nine minutes of the first half they lead conference usa in field goal percentage at 49 percent MTSU limited them to 44% that night. So give a lot of credit to the Blue Raiders for, you know, being in this purgatory of, you know, unknown, not really knowing what they're capable of after the loss against Marshall. And then they come back and play very impressive and get a great win at Western Kentucky. After the win against the Hilltoppers, you know, the Blue Raiders were kind of steaming with momentum, similar to the way Western Kentucky was before they lost. Uh, The following week, they beat, University of Texas, San Antonio, and Texas El Paso by a combined 55 points in the Murphy Center. They limited both teams to their season-low point totals and their season-low field goal percentages, so that's a, a really positive sign for how well their defense has played over this over these last eight games. Also, Tyreek had that very iconic play against UTEP when he crossed over to Evan Gilliard and He completely shattered his ankles, stole his soul, shoved him in the locker, and took his lunch money. And then he points at him, showing no mercy. That that was obviously a really fun moment, and the clip went viral across sports media. I I believe it even made the top 10 on SportsCenter. Uh, You know, and and that that play really embodies the the spunk that Tyreek plays with and, and why it's so easy just to support and get behind a player like him. After the games against those two Texas schools, MTSU faced another giant test on the road, played Old Dominion in their home of Norfolk, Virginia, and once again, they persevered through a tough, gritty game and came out victorious. Final score was 66-59. This is a game where the newfound impact of Antoine Johnson really came into play. He had a game high, 18 points, 4 assists. Him, Nick King, Giddy Potts combined for 47 of the 66 points. 
considering how great Old Dominion's defense traditionally is, it was a really encouraging sign MTSU was able to get their best scores to handle their business, make do with what they could, and persevere through, you know, like I said, a very strong and capable defensive team. Also, it was another game where MT's defense really showed how good it can be. Old Dominion's 59 points was their second lowest output of the season. They shot 37% from the field, 20% from the arc, which were both in the bottom three of worst percentages the Monarchs have shot all year. So, you know, they, they've done great offensively the past eight games, but it, it really shows they win or lose based on their defense. And, you know, you could definitely make that case versus Charlotte. They visited Charlotte two days after the Old Dominion win. And they won by five, but given Charlotte's struggles this year, you wonder why the Blue Raiders didn't win by more. The 49ers rank in the bottom five of offenses in the conference yet. They put up 73 points, shot 53% against the Blue Raiders. And, you know, Giddy didn't play the entire second half. He had some sort of lower leg injury, and it obviously wasn't a, a long-term issue. He played the next game, but... You know, Charlotte had lost their second leading scorer, Andrian White, in the middle of the first half due to concussion. So, and they, they've they've gone through plenty of injury problems this year. So, I don't think that's a good excuse by any means. I think uh, this is kind of reminiscing what MTSU did versus Florida International and Florida Atlantic. I think that they just didn't bring the necessary intensity. They underestimated their opponent and. They, they almost got caught slipping, and they were in control, don't get me wrong, but I do believe they should have won that game more comfortably. After Charlotte, MTSU heads back home, plays Rice. That was a close game up until the five-minute mark of the first half. It was three-point game, and then they ended the first half on a 20-6 to run. Really had a healthy lead for the remainder of the game. Uh, the final score was 94-75, to so... That, that, that was a solid win, uh, impressive win for the Blue Raiders. And that brings us to our most recent game against North Texas. Blue Raiders won 79-73, but it was a lot closer than that final score indicates. Up until there were 22 seconds left in the game, the entire second half, the Mean Green were within five points. They even led for a brief time. Not really sure how to judge this one, whether it was you know MTSU playing lackluster or or maybe it was North Texas playing great, and they did really impress me. They've got two absolute studs in Roosevelt Smart and Ryan Woolridge. Smart finished with 32 points on 11 for 17 shooting, including 7 for 12 from three-point land, which is just ridiculous. Ryan Woolridge finished just two rebounds shy of a triple-double. And, and the craziest thing about these two players is they're just sophomores. They're going to be something special over the next two years. Um, they were really impressive to me. They're going to be a tough out, not just in this conference tournament, but in the next two to come. After seeing these eight games, it brings me to three major takeaways. First, and, and by far the foremost, Antoine Johnson getting moved to the starting lineup uh, in the Western Kentucky game ha has been a, a giant move for this offense. It it's, has ascended from solid to spectacular. I think it's it's been I don't want to say turning point, but definitely a benchmark throughout this season. The last seven games in which he started, the team is averaging 77 points a game, shooting 49% from the field, 38% from three. The six games prior when they started conference play, the team was only averaging 66 points per game, 42% from the field, and 30% from three. I mean, what a huge difference in all three of those stats. He's been able to take shooting and scoring pressure off Giddy Potts. Now defenses can't put as much focus on 
only locking him up on uh, on the perimeter. And then I think he also takes, you know, dribbling, ball handling, and facilitating pressure off Tyreek Dixon. And Dixon's an amazing floor general. There's no secret to that. But, you know, Antoine Johnson getting the ball gives the defense a different look. And after Nick King, Johnson's the best scorer off the bounce on this team. And he's been just a tremendous lift offensively. He deserves a lot of credit. And, you know, Kermit Davis deserves a lot of credit for making that move. You can definitely make the case that there there is a defensive drop-off between Antoine Johnson and then Ed Simpson, David Simmons. They're both much more solid on that side of the ball. But with how much better the offense has been, they've been so much more comfortable, productive, efficient. I definitely think that compensates the gap for defense. The second big takeaway I have is how turnovers can be a problem. Um... Despite the offense's recent success, turnovers really seem to be the biggest concern on that side of the ball. They're averaging around 12 a game right now. That's not terrible, but it's not great either. It ranks in the middle of Conference USA. It seems just to get out of hand in certain games rather than being a consistent problem every single game. They had 14 turnovers against Old Dominion and Charlotte. They had 19 turnovers against Marshall. Some remember the disaster against Auburn. They had 16 turnovers in the first half. They ended up with 23 on the game. The good news is the Blue Raiders finished with a season-low four turnovers in their most recent game against North Texas. Hopefully that is a sign that the team has acknowledged the problem and they are making a mental effort to correct it and improve it. The third takeaway is lacking defensive urgency at times, and it, it really goes back to the Charlotte game. The, the Blue Raiders just seem to have these episodes of not respecting their opponent enough, not mentally preparing enough, and they just end up subconsciously taking that night off defensively. And, and you know, I think it happens. I don't think it's abnormal, not just in basketball, but in sports, but... You know, my favorite stat of the season remains to be that this team is undefeated when they limit opponents under 45% shooting. When their opponent shoots 45% or better, the Blue Raiders are 3-5. and five. So when it comes down to it, I, I think if MTSU really wants a chance at an at-large bid, the margin for error is going to be razor thin. They have a good resume, but I don't think it's overwhelmingly good to, to where that they have much wiggle room. If they want to have that chance, I think they have to win out the regular season and most likely make it to the championship game of the conference tournament and lose in that. Obviously, that they would get the automatic bid if they won that game. But, you know, it's possible that they do all that and they still don't get the at-large bid. But even if they want a chance, I think that they need to win out up until that CUSA title game. So all that being said, my point is Middle Tennessee needs to bring that defensive effort Night in and night out, respect the opponent no matter what the record, no matter what their stats say, and just don't get caught slipping. All right, I'd like to welcome in my guest, assistant coach Ronnie Hamilton. Uh, coach Hamilton is currently on his fourth season with the Middle Tennessee coaching staff. He's moved up the coaching ranks of college basketball for about 15 years now, been with six different college basketball programs over the country, currently handles recruiting for three different states, uh, assists in perimeter development and advanced scouting uh, with MTSU. I'm really fortunate to have him on. Coach, how are how you doing today? Doing good, Oliver. Glad to be on and looking forward to getting a chance to talk to you a little bit and been following your podcast. You do a tremendous job. And um, like I said, it's a pleasure to be on with you today. 
All right. I, I appreciate all of that for sure. So before we talk about MTSU, uh, the first thing that sticks out when I look at your resume is you uh, played college athletics, but you played football. You went to Duke University from 98 to 2002. You uh, were a four-year letterman, a defensive back. Um, so have you always kind of had a passion of both football and basketball? What kind of made you want to pursue coaching and basketball instead of what you went to college to play? Yeah, you know, it's a great question, um, and you're exactly right. I've always had uh, a passion for both. Um, you know, basketball was actually my first love. Uh, and as I started playing and, and, and got serious with, with uh, athletics through middle school and high school, uh, especially through high school, you know, football uh, kind of emerged as a sport that I, I was, you know, more successful in, but it was always a draw um, uh, for, for basketball. And uh, there was even a point where, you know, I, I wanted to try to even possibly do both at Duke because um, I knew long-term, you know, I had two dreams. One was to play in the NFL and two was to coach college basketball. And so I was thinking long-term uh, in terms of the coaching piece and so try to tie it in. We had a coaching change when I was there my freshman year. Um, I head coach, uh, Coach Goldsmith got let go. A new coach came in. And so that, that, that didn't come to pass. Um, and, then, and then the first dream I had as far as playing in the NFL, I had a short stint with the Giants, um, you know, got cut in training camp. And so, you know, at that point, I just decided, I said, you know what, I said, that one door kind of closed, one opportunity, I was going to try to chase, you know, the second one. And i uh, just been really fortunate, um, you know, started at a high school level and then, you know, at UNC Pembroke as a grad assistant and, and just been blessed to kind of work my way up and, and be with really good people. And, 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 you know, here currently now, you know, with a great coaching staff with Coach Davis at MTSU. The fact that you went from 98 to 2002, I know Duke had some amazing basketball teams there. I know that was a Shane Battier stint. I believe Elton Brand was there. Was the strong culture at Duke, uh, I mean, did that help your aspirations to become a college basketball coach? You know what? Um, it did. You know, being around a program uh, that's had so much success, as Duke has had and Coach K. Um, and so although I wasn't in the midst of it in terms of being um, uh, a part of uh, the basketball uh, program, um, playing football, you ran you it peripherally and, and saw the success. They won a national championship my junior year. And so it did. I mean, it just kind of only heightened what I had thought going into it um, and, and, and it kind of wanted to do prior to even going. Uh, just being around, you know, ACC basketball and living in North Carolina, you know, basketball is huge in itself. So all those factors um, played a, a huge role in, 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 in kind of creating that passion that I've had for a long, long time. And like I said, I've just been really fortunate to be able to do it, like you said, now 15 years um, and, and been in a lot of great places and worked for a lot of good people. Yeah, I can definitely agree with the whole, I'm a, I'm a North Carolinian myself, so I can definitely understand the the drive of college basketball that just comes with being from there talking about uh your career at mtsu like i said it's your fourth season there you look at you know the first two years and the second two years it seems like a pretty big difference the first year the the team goes 19 and 17 second year they go 25 and 10 but you know obviously you beat old dominion in the conference usa championship and then six days later, you accomplish one of the greatest upsets in the history of college basketball, beating Michigan State. You know, since then, everything just feels a little different. Um, past two seasons, uh, the program's gone 49 and 10 and counting, really caught a lot of attention and momentum on a national scale. 
I know that, you know, you never want to, you know, dwell on the past, always look forward. But for a second, just talk about how that Michigan State win changed the program and if there are any like substantial differences either on or off the court between those first two years you had at MTSU and then those last two years. You know, um, that's a great, great, great question. Great thought. Um, you know, when I got here, you know, coach had just came from uh, in the program had just come from, from winning conference, you would say. So there, there, there was success here before. Um, and that year's, that, 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 that year's team um, that you were referencing four years ago, they won 19 games. It was eight new guys, uh, I think five freshmen, um, three junior college guys. So there was a lot of turnover. And, you know, when you had that many new guys, uh, you know, it, it takes a while for them to grow. But I think with that particular group, there was a foundation that was that was built there that, that has allowed us to, to make the steps we've made over the last two, three years. And I think with any good program, uh, as you're trying to break through and, and reach a national level, which is coach has been his goal and, and what we talk about all times as a staff, uh, you got to have one of those, you know, kind of moments, so to speak. And I think, you know, Michigan State, we went to that year, you know, feeling really good about our team. We had a lot of guys back, that team that, you know, we won 19 games, but we made a run down the stretch to play for the conference championship and lost to UAB. So there was some, some confidence and some momentum built from that. And so we went to that season. We had a foreign trip that we went on. Uh, so we got a little bit of uh, some extra practice through the summer, gave us a head start. So we, we had a lot of confidence going into the, to the season and uh, played out that we got back to the conference championship game and was able to beat Old Dominion. But I, I do think that that went against Michigan State. This kind of was a breakthrough moment for our program from a national standpoint, uh, just even from a fan base standpoint. Um, and then we were also, you know, we were lucky – in terms of we had a lot of those guys back. We lost some guys, but we had a couple guys sitting out, which Corey Williams and Brandon Walters. And and, uh, and so it just kind of culminated. And in the last two years, um, this past season, um, last year's team and this year's team, I think you, you've seen kind of where we've been able to really take a, ne- a next jump. And, and that's what our goal has been, to, to, to be a national team and to be able to play against, you know, no matter who we play, whether it's Power 5 schools or whoever, and so now the goal is to, 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 to maintain that. And that's the hardest part, you know, once you have some success is to maintain it. So we've tried to continue to recruit hard and, and continue to develop our guys and, and hope that the fans would really just kind of continue to grow and, and, and we can keep it going. Coach, we've uh, as we've discussed, you've definitely been around the block uh, as far as college basketball goes. About 15 years of assistant coaching experience, six different stops. So I'm sure you've come across a lot of coaches. I wanted to ask, what makes Kermit Davis special? Um, you know, just compared to coaches you've worked under or any that you've met in just playing or coaching college basketball, is there anything that's anything specific that sets him apart from all the other head coaches you've come across? Yeah, definitely. I mean, his attention to detail, number one, uh, you know, coach, you know, the way he prepares uh, uh, throughout the season um, yeah, for each individual player in terms of player development. Uh, he's always thinking, you know, two steps ahead just in terms of uh, trying to get a, a program better. Uh, his attention to detail is, 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 is unbelievable. And, and I would say the thing that I think that really sets him apart aside from that is that he never has a day off. Uh, as, as a head coach, uh, which is which is really you know neat to see and 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 been great for me to um, have it as an example. Um, 
we every day when I practice. I mean, we show up to practice. Uh, you're gonna get his best, and he's gonna expect the best from 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 you as a, as a staff and, and as, as a program, as a team. And so he 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 sets the standard, and everybody else has to 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 meet that standard and and maintain that standard and raise to that standard. But he just he never has a day off. I mean, he comes. Uh, comes to work and, and like I said, his preparation, attention, to detail, and, and and his commitment um, to 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 just always improving. Uh, I think is this, you know, he's obviously a great X and O coach, can recruit and you know all those things. Um, but those two things, attention, to detail, and just I mean, what he expects on a daily basis um, and what he demands, it, I think sets him apart from uh, a lot of coaches. So before MTSU beat Minnesota last year and they beat Michigan State two years ago, um, I'm sure you remember 14 seed University Alabama Birmingham, the team that beat uh, MTSU in that 2015 Conference USA Championship game. They knocked off three seed Baylor in the round of 64. So, you know, that's three consecutive years that Conference USA has won a game. Um, It's very possible that it happens for a fourth time whether it be MT or, you know, there's a lot of other great teams in Conference USA. So what's it going to take for Conference USA to become a two-bid conference, not just this year, but in the years to come? Yeah, I think, you know, we're trending that direction. Um, I think the league has gotten better over the last two or three years. Um, you know, West Kentucky's got a really good team this year. You know, Marshall, I think, is capable with their guard play of beating anybody on a neutral court. Uh, even though, you know, UAB and Old Dominion both are really, really talented teams. And, you know, I think that the next step is, is, is scheduling. Uh, and, and, you know, what Coach and I admire by him is, you know, we've been able to maybe be in discussion for at-large the last couple of years. Um, we've won our tournament, so we've kind of hadn't had to sweat as much on Selection Sunday, but we've been in those discussions because we go out and schedule um, as tough as we can in the non-conference to, to, to allow for – uh, RPI and, and strength of schedule uh, uh, to be reflective of, of, of for the committee to, to consider you. And I think as the league grows and gets better, I think you know the other teams in the league, it has to be a conscious effort to schedule that way. And then you got to go win some games. You know you got to schedule that way, but you got to go win some games. Um, but I do think the league is getting a lot better uh, uh, coaching, um, and so it's it, 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 I think it's very close. Even this year, possibly that we can get you know two and, and hopefully you know, multiple bids every year. And that's, that's the ultimate goal for Conference USA. You had a really interesting history with Conference USA. You spent a total of four years at uh, Tulane and Houston, two-year stints respectively, um, when they were in Conference USA. But at the time you were there, MTSU was in the Sunbelt Conference. Um, now you're at MTSU, but Houston and Tulane have – moved on to the American Athletic Conference. So, you know, talk about the evolution of Conference USA and your eight seasons of being here and just conference realignment in general and how it affects the game. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I was at the Citadel uh, and we won. We were lucky enough to, to our head coach, Coach Ed Conroy, we were, lucky, we were lucky enough to get the head job. He was lucky enough to get the head job at Tulane. And so our whole staff uh, followed him there. It was Conference USA. Uh, when it was, you know, SMU and Memphis and uh, Central Florida and, like you said, Houston. Um, and it was a really good league. Uh, Memphis was rolling. Uh, and so I was there for two years and then had an opportunity to go to Houston thinking that we were going to 
was the old Big East because <laughs> Houston was one of those schools that during that realignment was going and, you know, it was supposed to be Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Georgetown, uh, the whole deal. And, and, and then right at the uh, end of that, probably realignment was when the Big East broke off to just the basketball school. So uh, I go to Houston and I'm mean, one year still in conversation to say, and it ended up being an American <laughs> uh for for a year um and then you know end up ultimately coming here and so i'm back in conference USA. so i've seen it kind of really evolve and change um it's a great league uh this guy has great uh history and tradition and like i said i think just you know it takes a little while once you realign and everybody starts getting familiar with each other you start building some rivalries um forward to really kind of uh you know get his footing and I think that's what's happened, like I said, the last you know two or three years. And I think the league is getting really, really competitive from top to bottom. Um, coaching is really good. You know, it's so uh, diverse in terms of style of play and geography. Uh, you know, you got teams from Texas all the way to you know Virginia. Um, but it's a it's a really, 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 really good league. I think it's a really underrated league. And, um, like I said, it's just getting better and better and better. So you know, you talk about Conference USA back then. I remember. When I was growing up, growing up watching college basketball, Memphis really dominated Conference USA for a long time. You know, definitely the end of those Calipari years, but also when Josh Pastner was there, he won mm-hmm. the league a good three or four times. So do you think, I, I believe, I, I did some research, I believe the last time the league got two, or the conference got two bids into the tournament was around that 2012-13 time span, and it was Memphis and Southern Miss. So do you think mm-hmm. like do you think the conference right now is kind of on that level or do you think it still has a ways to go than it was about five years ago? I, I think it's, you know, that Memphis team was so dominant. Uh, you know, like I said, with Calipari, you know, they played for a national championship, you know, with Derrick mm-hmm. Rose and those guys. And so they were on the heels of really having CDR. Um, yeah. Some, some, some really talented guys. I think from top to bottom, the league is, is, is just as strong. Uh, I think it's, you know, some of the teams like Charlotte and, and Florida National and, um, you know, UTEP's going through a coaching change. Uh, but Rice, uh, as those teams get better, I think it will be on that level. You know, I'm, you know, like I said, Memphis was so dominant, you know, doing that stretch. Uh, but I do, I think, I think our top five, six teams in, in the league right now can go and, and, and go play against anybody in the country. And I think, you know, there's, there's a handful of teams uh, that can go win a game in the NCAA tournament. So I do think it's it's, it's Trending in the right direction, it's getting better, and I think, like I said, in time, maybe even this year, it will be a, a chance for us to get multi bids uh, into the big dance. All right, coach, I got one more question for you. You've kind of touched on it already. Going past this year, what is the long term goal or the long term ceiling of this basketball program? And when I ask that, you know, you look at teams like or programs like Memphis or Butler or Wichita State they've been able to have consistent success getting to the tournament and winning in the tournament. They've moved up to more competitive basketball conferences. Um, but there's also programs like Gonzaga who, you know, they've been in the, in the WCC for I think 30 years now or something around that and built a dynasty that runs the table in the conference almost every season. And obviously they made it the national championship game last year. So I don't know. What, what do you think does, what do you think MTS is best for MTSU going forward? Yeah, I think, you know, that that's just something that, you know, we talk about all the time. We're just kind of trying to just continue to build a national brand to where we can be a team that has a chance to get in the tournament every year, um, a chance to make deep runs in the tournament, obviously contend for 
you know, conference championships, uh, you know, and, and be a team that's considered maybe in the top 25. Uh, you know, you have to you have to obviously continue to recruit really well. Um, your fan base, I think, has to continue to grow, and, and, and I think that's a huge part of it. Uh, I think the administration has done a great job of giving us the resources to be successful. Uh, so, it's you know, it, it, it's, there's, there's the – so much uh, in ahead of us, and, and the future is really bright. Uh, you know, recruiting class we have coming in, we're excited about. Um, and so I think, like I said, the, the, the sky's the limit. And I think we, you know, as, as the league gets better, I think it helps us as a program. Um, but our goal every year, you know, is to get back to the tournament and and uh, keep making deep runs. And um, I think I think that's definitely uh, in our sights, and and and, and something we're working towards every single day as a staff. Well, I really appreciate your time, Coach. I, I had a lot of fun, and I learned a lot. So I want to thank you very much once again. Have a good rest of your day, and good luck this season. Thanks, Oliver. Appreciate you. All right, y'all. Like I said, there's not too much I can tell you about these final five games. Like I said, they've already played all five teams, so... There's not much new that we haven't seen before that I can throw at you, assuming that you've been following them all season. I will go ahead and tell you it's uh, this week is at Southern Miss, at Louisiana Tech on Thursday and Saturday, and then uh, the final three games are all in the Murphy Center. They play Alabama-Birmingham on February 24th. That's a Saturday. They'll play Western Kentucky the following Thursday, and then they'll play Marshall the following Saturday. So it's really important that the Murphy Center brings a big crowd. That six-man advantage comes into play because all three of these games are really far from layups. The good news is four of these five games are going to be broadcasted via some sort of TV or internet streaming service. Louisiana Tech, UAB, and Marshall are all going to be available through Stadium's Facebook page. They've obviously broadcasted a handful of MTSU games this year. And then the MTSU Western Kentucky game on that Thursday night is going to be on CBS Sports Network. So that's awesome. Obviously, it'll be really cool for everybody to see the Blue Raiders finish their season. The game that honestly gives me the most concern is UAB. And that comes for two reasons. One, UAB has kind of been slumping recently, so I'm always a believer in what's due. I think when you have a cold streak and you're a talented team like UAB is, you are eventually due to, you know, step up and, and get hot again. And, you know, MTSU and UAB played a very close game in the CUSA opener. And, and the second thing that kind of concerns me about UAB is how they have a, a week off in between games. When we've seen that in the past, it was the second game versus Florida Gulf Coast and when they played Princeton and Hawaii in the Diamond Head Classic. Both te- both games, I feel like MTSU kind of started out sluggish, rusty, stale. So I, I, that kind of worries me. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not super concerned, but I think that could it, it potentially be an issue. All right, y'all, that's all I got today. I really appreciate you listening once again. I want to thank everybody who is, you know, sticking with the podcast all the way through the season. It's meant the world to me, and I've had a lot of fun doing it. This is probably going to be the last podcast of the regular season. I am going to do one um, right before conference tournament, you know, get get prepared for that and talk about the matchups and, you know, who MTSU might want to see and, 
the second round or the conference final. Hopefully, obviously, they get out of the their first round. So um, we'll see about that. And then hopefully the week after that, we'll be able to talk about the NCAA tournament. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I hope everybody has a great day, great weekend. Go Blue.